Hey, welcome in everybody to the Coach Bodo's podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can check us out on uh, interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, look up our it's at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page and search for Coach Bono's Show. You can email us at CoachBonosShow at gmail.com. Today is episode 46.5. Normally on the point five, I am joined by Ellen Wingenter, our legal counsel. However, this week, Ellen's out. She had her ACL surgery. She's doing well. More than another day of rest, so we're going to give her the week off. We'll get her back next week. But subbing this week for Ellen while she's in her mend is a familiar voice here on the podcast. Ladies, if you're in the greater Denver area, pour a nice glass of spiced rum on the rocks, place it out on the front deck along with a sleeve of Titleist Pro V1 golf balls, magically he will appear. He's a man of style, sophistication, and he remains undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a 44-0-2 record. His mom named him Ricardo. We call him Uncle Rico, my main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. Ricardo, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You do not like how I introduce you, do you? <laughs> so wasn't I, wasn't I 46 and two a couple weeks ago? Did I did I lose a couple? Of I don't remember what it was. I just said 44-0 and two. You know, two draws. <laughs> we don't know about the results there. They were not lost, all we know. So they were inconclusive. If we, if we need to update it to 46 and 2 I'll do that and make sure that's on the record. Okay. <laughs> I won't make that mistake next time. Hey, I was talking to our old buddy, Henri Yule, earlier tonight. I was trying to get him to come in with us, and he had some stuff going. He's getting ready to travel the next couple of days, so he's trying to get things sewn up before he goes out of town on business. So he couldn't make it in, but I read him what I was going to say in your introduction. He just laughed his ass off. So of I really did pretty good on that. Shout out to Henri Yule. He'll, he'll, Henri will be in soon, and it'll be fun. We're going to try to get him in here. We're going to try to have a big one here in a couple of weeks with everybody. So, hey, I, I wanted to bring you in here. You know, we needed to, we needed to substitute. We had to go to the bullpen today. And uh, this time of year, we're in the middle of July, the dog days of summer. You know, we talk a lot of sports on here. There's just not a lot going on. There's not a lot of new stuff going on. Not a lot of newsworthy, you know, stuff that we really bite down on. And right now, the only thing really in action is baseball. And I know you're not a big baseball guy. But it's just we're at that time of year. And so I was like, you know, well, we're going to have a little fun. We've got a few subjects, two or three. I got three random ones here. We're going to talk a little bit about you and I always get sidetracked on shit anyway. So we'll have some fun with it today. I actually... We didn't talk about it before, but there was something I saw this week about baseball, which I find interesting. We can talk about that later. Okay. All right. Hey, you can drive that part of the show. Hey, there is one notable thing I want to talk about. It's baseball related. And again, you're not the big baseball guy. We talked about this and touched on it before we came on, but I think it's a big deal. So I think this is bigger than baseball. And I, I don't know if you've seen this. We've talked a little bit. I guess I've told you what's going on. Our local team here, the Kansas City Royals, have made some really big news for a really stupid fucking reason this week. 
The Kansas City Royals have a four-game series in Toronto. It started on Thursday night. Now, we are recording Thursday night. That game is actually going on as we speak. But um, I don't have it on because I was watching the Red Sox game. Red Sox lost. But I got the Astros game on now. So, uh, anyway, the Kansas City Royals, when you go to Canada, you go to Toronto. This has happened a lot during the season this year. Going into Canada – is just the same as if you're coming into the U.S. If you're not a citizen, you have to show proof of COVID vaccination. Now, a lot of teams, and the commissioner has got a commissioner's exempt list. A lot of teams have got player two, maybe. The Phillies had four players earlier in the season who were not vaccinated. But the Kansas City Royals, they they hit the ball. I mean, Last place in the division, but first place in in not getting the the vaccine. Ten unvaccinated Royals players on the roster. You only got 26 guys on the roster. Ten unvaccinated, including four of their everyday starters. I'm going to read the list. Andrew Benintendi, their starter in left field. Um, Whit Merrifield, their second baseman. Uh, MJ Melendez was the backup first baseman. Uh, I'm sorry, backup catcher. Uh, Hunter Dozier, who is a first baseman and outfielder. Brad Keller, one of their best two starting pitchers. Brady Singer, the other of the two best starting pitchers. Outfielder Michael A. Taylor, who I think is a really nice player. He's our center fielder. Um, outfielder Kyle Isbell, who I don't know very well. Dylan Coleman, one of their relievers. He sucks. And then the other catcher, Cam Gallagher. All are sitting out right now because they refuse to get COVID vaccines. And so for four games, they're staying in Kansas City and going to watch these four games. Now, I realize that the Royals are a last-place team, and they're going nowhere. Ben Intendi isn't the only all-star on the team, and he's rumored to be in a shitload of trade options with three weeks to go before the trade deadline here. Um, some teams have ruled him out now. They said they will not trade him. The Yankees and the Red Sox have both come out today and said they're not willing to trade for Benintendi because they realize they're playing games in Toronto. That's a division game for them. And they realize they're not going to trade for a player who won't play there. Yeah. It, I, I find this to be utterly asinine. Now, I was also reading some quotes from Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore is the general manager of the Royals. Um, his, his quote was, at the end of the day, it's their choice. Uh, what they've done as an organization is they've promoted that they wanted the players to get vaccinated. They went to the KU Med Center and got people from the KU Med Center to talk to players individually, their families. And in many players, they got the families and the player fully vaxxed through those conversations. But these 10 players have decided they're not getting vaxxed. Even when it was required to go play a four-game series in the regular season. I'd love to hear your opinion. My opinion is, and I'm usually a player-first guy, but one, I think it's shitty to not get vaxxed unless you have a legit medical reason. Two. Which none of these guys are going to. None of these guys have shown that. Two. Boy, you really let your team down for a four-game series in the middle of July. 
and it's forcing the Royals to pull two guys off the injured list and eight guys from AAA. So basically yeah. the Royals are rolling out a AAA team to play Toronto for the next four games. It also, frankly, impacts the, the, the entire league when you're going to roll a AAA team out there for four games against Toronto, who's in the middle of a pennant race. I mean, yeah. the Blue Jays get to play a lesser team for four games. I know I'm a Red Sox fan staying out there in the same division, but, I mean, goddamn, can the Royals <laughs> – these 10 players have legitimately messed with the imbalance of an entire league in a way, and it's a selfish, shitty thing to do if you ask me. What says you on this? Oh, I agree. If, if I'm a team in the division with the with – the, uh... Uh, with the Blue Jays, I'm pissed at the Royals because you oh, just yeah. gave them, oh, you know, f- four road wins, uh-huh. four home wins for them, four four road losses for the Royals. If I'm in that division, I'm pissed as shit. Yeah. I will you know, say, I, I, I am. I am so, now, if if I'm in the Royals division, I am so glad these guys are idiots. Yeah, and I'm going to say it plain and simple: they are fucking idiots. Fuck them. Because we've had this conversation when COVID started, when we talked about football, we talked about basketball, we talked about the NBA, college level, professional college level for all the other sports. We weren't talking about baseball at, at that time. But what you're talking about here, this is, this is not a new issue. This isn't even like it's happened like we just got the vaccine a couple of months ago and we're not sure. No, no, no. Mo- this is a now a proven vaccine. It's been out there for a while. We have a new variant that is catching everywhere. It's more contagious and it's actually more dangerous than all the previous variants. But we've talked about this before and how players would be impacted by not getting vaccine. Now, international travel with Toronto, you don't see that with the NFL. You don't see that with the NBA. We don't have any international teams. So that's, this is kind of a new conversation around it. But the problem remains the same. These guys are choosing their own personal views over that of the team. And I see occasions where that happens. It's usually about money, not about vaccines. But at this point, and we, we talked about this earlier, how many of the, what's the demographic of the people who are not vaccinated? Hmm. You, yeah, let's talk about that. Of the players, they're all American-born players. In a league that is 40% plus like, like Latin American, these players are overwhelmingly white American we have a, we have an, we have an African American in this case out of the out of the ten, but overwhelmingly white American, you know, from here. I want to read you a quote. I just saw this, and this pisses me off. Whit Merrifield, who's considered by most to be the best player on the Royals roster, quote: "Right or wrong, I didn't do it on a whim. It's a long thought process because I understand what Canada has in place right now." The only reason I would think about getting at this point is to go to Canada. That might change down the road if something happens and I happen to get on a team that has a chance to go play in Canada in the postseason, maybe that changes. But as we sit here right now, I am comfortable with my decision. My teammates support me. 
support the rest of the guys in here who have made that decision, and that's that. Fuck Rick Merrifield. Fuck him. Oh, that pisses me off. I, I am I'm going to call bullshit on half of that statement right now because oh he's God. saying his teammates support him. I no. think it's the teammates that are sitting at home right now with yeah, him yeah. that are supporting him. I bet yeah. the guys that are up in fucking Toronto right now are pretty fucking pissed. Yeah, 10 guys, 10 guys support him. But listen to what that is. That is, you, if something happens and I get to a team that has a chance to go play in Canada in the postseason, maybe that changes. Uh, and right there, you have already sold your team out for anyone else who might want to go to Canada. Fuck the Royals oh as a teammate. God. This is the epitome of shitty teammates I would not want to play with on any team. I, this guy just signed how he is not going to go to another team. No other team would want him. If I'm an owner just, on another team, he's the last person I would consider picking up. I mean, Whit Merrifield is a really good ball player, a utility player who plays many different positions, and teams would love to have him in the pennant race. There would be teams that would trade for him. But if you're – and Toronto is in the American League, East, which is very competitive. Every team is above 500 and in the playoffs, uh-huh. in the five teams in that division. To give you an mm-hmm. idea, the last place team in the American League East is the Baltimore Orioles. They're 45 and 44. But Kansas City Royals are 36 and 53. They have the second worst record in the American League. This guy is the best player on their team. However, he's saying, well, if you trade me to a contender and I have to go play a postseason mm-hmm. game in Toronto, then I'll get to get the fuck you. You're either getting it or you're fuck not. You. I mean, yeah. he can go fuck himself in every which way in which a human being can go fuck themselves. This is a guy that I like a lot as a player. But are you fucking shitting me? This is how you this is how fans turn on teams they like. Is players like this who are, if I'm a Royals fan, I am supremely livid at this piece of shit. Well, it, livid. Here's the thing the league is overwhelmingly Latin American. And most of those yeah. players, all those players had to get vaccinated to come to America, to come here to play this season. That's the rules in the US. Unless you're yeah. a US citizen, you cannot have entry into the United States currently unless you're so proof of a COVID-19 vaccination. Mm -hmm. The biggest player on the Red Royals team, he's currently injured, is Salvador Perez. The guy's a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the most respected OGs in all of baseball. I wonder how he feels. I would love to hear what Salvador Perez would say. I would love a sit-down, one-on-one kind of interview asking him about that. Absolutely. He's going to have a whole lot of fuck yous to Whit Merrifield and Andrew Benintendi and all these guys. I mean, this is white privilege. Oh, absolutely. And God damn, that pisses me off about this because, I mean, Benintendi is a player that I really like. I mean, he was a Red Sox guy. He was on our last World Series team. I didn't like it when they traded him to Kansas City. There had been talk that he would possibly go back to Boston. There's talk that he was going to go to the Yankees or the Mets. 
here in the next couple weeks. Our tr- the trade deadline is August 2nd. And he's a player that's going to get traded. Yeah. But the Yankees and the Red Sox have said, no, 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 no. You're not coming back here. After the, the Red Sox said, no, you're not coming back. The Yankees have said they're out today. The Mets are thinking, well, we can take you, but you better get vaxxed if we have to play the Jays in the World Series. See, now he's, he's putting the cart before the horse. I'll, I'll consider getting vaxxed if I go to another team. And the teams are like, why would I bother if you're not already vaxxed? You'll probably get exactly. here and decide you still yeah. don't want to get vaxxed. Yeah. And then we're locked into a contract. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, two teams that are going to be buyers in the play, going to be buyers now, two of the biggest teams already said, no, you're out. We're out. We're not on you. I, I really have a huge problem. And when I saw that quote, I hadn't seen that quote till just then. That's why I, I went as loud as I did. My apologies to anybody. No, no, feel free. Feel free. I, 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 you I and I are pretty much the same mind on That's this. a dick move to say, well, I'll get it if we're playing in Canada in the postseason. Fuck you. What about these Fuck, 25 yeah, guys absolutely. you're in the locker room with right now? What about and – and you know if you're on the Royals this season, you weren't a playoff contender. You know if you're Whit Merrifield, you signed a deal a couple this last offseason. You know you're there three or four more years. You know you're called on to be the leader. If you're Andrew Benintendi, you know that in his case, you know, you're probably only going to be there the rest of this season. You're going to get traded. But still, guys are looking at you. These young guys they're bringing up, they're looking at That's exactly my – yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. You're, you're, not only are you saying fuck you to your own teammates yeah. and, and your own team, which in and of itself, if I'm, if I'm an owner of the Royals, if I'm a GM at the Royals, I am supremely pissed at what this does to my locker room well, at a minimum, at a minimum. And if I'm a young guy and I'm seeing this guy pull yeah. this shit – it's, it's a terrible example, not just in this locker room, but for the young guys throughout the league. This is a terrible example. These are, te- these are terrible precedents to be setting to think that this is okay. It should not be. Now, real, real quick, are they getting paid while they're sitting at home no. doing fucking nothing? If they're on the commission, example, they are not getting paid for those games. They do. They forfeit their salaries for those four games. And it's a four-game series. I would up that. Three-game series. Yeah, that this, was one this they is, but from here, and we've talked about this with when we talked about football. I would fine them for not playing. I would. Too. I know they won't do it, but the it's reality probably- is, is that you play, you are paid to play professional ball, and the vaccine is not some experiment anymore. This is something that no. if you travel internationally, no. it's required. Yeah. Period. That's and, not the league saying it. That's the country saying it. And you don't get to override that. Yeah. And, I, and if and you I'm don't want to sure. do it, then get out of baseball. Get out of a sport that's going to take you to international travel. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure this has been negotiated already as far as um, with the Players Association on fines and whatnot. They probably negotiated oh, yeah. that with the CBA, especially they have a brand new collective bargaining agreement this season. Um, but I mean, what does that say as a franchise? And it, it look, it looks like the Royals as a franchise went and did everything they could to accommodate these players. And I'm saying this, and I'm the guy who's usually like, fuck management. But it's uh-huh. clear that Dayton Moore, the GM, is upset. It's clear that he went and did everything he possibly could to put these guys' worries aside. Short of mandate. The, yeah. the, you can't mandate it from the CBA. But what they could do is say, 
hey, we want to bring in doctors. We want to bring in people to talk to you and your family and then make sure to see if you're comfortable with this. It's funny because the New York Yankees, who had all sorts of COVID issues in 2011 or 2021, they're 100% vaxxed. The Red Sox played in Toronto two weeks ago. They had two players didn't play. One of them is their closer. The other one's the guy who was on the roster from AAA. You know, we've seen one player or two. Like I said, the Phillies had four, but 10 is ridiculous. And it, it just goes to show that where Major League Baseball is. We have, I, I, I think it's Paul Monty Jones oh, yeah. says we have, we've got two Americas, you know, in other sports. In basketball and football, we got two Americas. There's white America, there's black America. In baseball, there's two Americas. There's the Latin, Latin American players. Latin America. There's, there's white players. And, and your redneck. players yeah. who are not going to Toronto to play these games are overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly American, and it's just pathetic. It, it, it really bothers me. You know, we talk, we, we've talked about, yeah, we talked about it in the past. How do you get somebody who's not a baseball fan to buy into baseball? Yeah. This. This just, I'm not a baseball fan. I've asked the question, how do you get a guy like me to become a baseball fan? This is a check in the other column. Yeah. Why would I waste my time with a sport where the players are so fuck like, and I grew up, I grew up with you. We grew up together, Kansas, Topeka, the Royals was the hometown team. This is the example you set. Mm-hmm. This is who you are as a team and as players of this team. This is what you represent. In, in fuck baseball. I, honestly, I fuck that, the Royals. Not all the Royals. Like, I, I, I applaud the guys who are vaccinated. Absolutely. I applaud the guys who are sticking it out in a shitty situation whose teammates are all fuckheads, and they're still playing the game. I applaud them. But and, on the overall, fuck the Royals and fuck baseball. Yeah. Now, let's, let's give these guys who are playing a shout-out. I got the final score here. The Royals uh-huh. won game one, three to one. Three to one. Good three for, one, for the guys one. who were there. Hey, good for them. And, and for leading them. the way for the Royals, their rookie sensation, Bobby Witt Jr., two for four, hit a home run um, off, of, off of Gossman, uh, off of Kevin Gossman, who's like a Cy Young favorite. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, that's pretty, pretty cool. They are getting the Blue Jays at a time where, and they are getting the time. The Blue Jays just fired their manager this morning. Uh They fired their manager. Oh, yeah, I heard. They've lost nine of the last 10, but they're still in third place in the division. They've been going back and forth with Boston for the last week now. But it's it's, it's ridiculous. And it's really shitty for baseball because next week is the All-Star game and the home run derby. And I always tell people, if you're not a baseball fan, Home run derby is the thing that can draw you in. It I'm is not a baseball so fan. I have bad. watched the home run derby in the past a few times. And this year, they stacked the deck. Oh. The, the eight player they just announced today, the eight players who are playing, you've got Pete Alonzo of the Mets, who's won it the last two years, who's a freaking rock star, a home run hitter. Kyle Schwarber, who's second in the major leagues in home runs. Um, who's cool as hell. I like Kyle Schwarber. 
The old man, Albert Pujols, is going to play at 40 years old. His last season in baseball is going to play in the, in the home run derby. The guy that I think, the two guys that I think are the two most exciting players in baseball, and that's mm-hmm. Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. are both in the thing. Julio Rodriguez, who no one knows about outside of Seattle, is fucking phenomenal. He's the best player to come up for Seattle since, since A-Rod. Jose Ramirez is a monster in Cleveland, and Corey Seager from the Rangers. I mean, Alonzo and Akuda are going head-to-head in the first round. That is going to be, to quote my son, dope. <laughs> here's, here's what I will say about, about this. This is the one place where baseball has a leg up on all other sports. Yeah. If you take the NFL and the Pro Bowl, no one gives a shit. You go to the NBA, you go to the All-Star game, no one gives a shit. They're just running up scores. They're having fun. When it comes to the non, uh, non-regular season schedule games, yeah. the Home Run Derby is a worthwhile event to capitalize on for non-baseball fans just to watch. It's a blast to watch on TV. If yeah. you ever get to go it's to fun. One. If you ever get it's to go fun. to one, the atmosphere is fucking unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun one. It's yeah. a fun event to watch for baseball, even if you're not a baseball yeah. fan. One of my it's the top, one thing that baseball yeah. does better than the other sports is the non non regular season stuff, non scheduled stuff that is fun. Where no where in all other sports, no one cares. No one watches those things really. Yeah. On the, they, on they on the all in because all. of the nature of the game, like basketball, they can stop the season in the middle and and send the best players to play. And then, you know, I remember as a boy, you know, I grew up in the South and we had the Braves on TBS. We had the Cubs on WGN. That's what we got to see. You know, you came, you got the NBC Saturday night game, Saturday day game. And that's all you got yeah. to see. So the all-star game was cool. Cause you, cause every team has a player. It's the only reason the Royal players on the damn team is because everybody has to have a player, but you got that player. Even if it was that one player from the team, you go, you know, when I was a boy, it was George Brett. Like, we never saw George Brett play in the South. You're like, oh, shit, George Brett's coming up. Or, yeah. you know, Fernando Mania and the Dodgers, and I was a real little boy. Or, you know, uh, Tony Gwynn with the Padres. We didn't get to see those players every day, so it was really cool to see him at the All-Star game. Home Run Derby took that idea and said, well, what do people like? They like home runs. Yeah, and it's really going to be cool, and and they play music the entire time the guy's batting, and then you see some of the activities it's, where the teammates are coming you know over, why hyping them yes, up. Yes, yes, uh, yes. It's the one. You know what we were talking about before? How do you get a guy like me to be a baseball fan? The old school bullshit that yeah. doesn't happen in regular games. Mm-hmm. It happens at the home run derby, and it's fun. Yeah, well, and like they last don't. Year, and, and the I. I I can't stand how baseball wants to continue to live in the past when the home run derby is the example of how do you get people engaged? This is how you get people engaged as a fan is doing things like this. If you can translate some of this to a regular game, you might get more fans. Well, and that's why they're being lenient on a lot of the bat flip stuff and they're allowing a lot of that stuff. And then going and getting these exciting players, asking Soto and Acuna, and then you get the old man in pool holes to show up and play. That's kind of cool. I think one of the coolest parts of last year's game was when Salvador Perez was in the, was playing. 
when Salvador Perez was hitting at one point, he calls the timeout, and you usually had the little boy runs up with the towel and a Gatorade. So he's drinking his Gatorade and towel. And all the Latin players are coming over and they're fanning him with towels. <laughs> Everyone's showing their respect and love to Salvador Perez. He's kind of like Big Poppy, you know? And, yeah. And that's yeah. what's cool. You'll see that. You'll see all the Braves run over and help Acuna. And you'll see the world is going to explode when Pujols tells the timeout. Because yeah. everybody respects Albert Pujols. All the Latin players, all the players he played with, plays with the Cardinals. All the players he played with the, with the Angels, everyone's going to come uh-huh. over and dapping the old man up. And if he happens to oh, win yeah. the thing, it'll be incredible. Oh, it'll be great, yeah. And then Pete Alonso last year, I mean, he was he was in the finals. He had hit like thirteen home runs. And he was like, I no problem, just bring. It. And he is just kind of vibing in the in the batter's box. It was the coolest shit ever watching him in the batter's box. And he's just vibing with yeah. the music and hitting home runs. And you're like, how the fuck do you do that? So that'll be fun. It'll be Monday. It'll be on Monday, ESPN. I think it's like seven o'clock local time here in Kansas City. You know, it'll Nine be it's a fun yeah. thing to watch. So, so the bad stuff with the Royals, the good stuff is enjoy home run derby. I'm making a pick. I'm picking Pete Alonso. I'm not ever picking against Pete Alonso until he says he's not going to do it anymore. <laughs> I picked against him last year. I won't make that mistake again. So I know that feeling. You don't pick against him. <laughs> A um, another sport thing I want to get on to. Have you seen the big boxing match coming up at the end of the month? So I have heard about it. Okay, so if you don't know, we got a couple of football players who decided. So Frank Gore decided he was going to become a professional boxer. Had his first boxing match and won. Well, now Le'Veon Bell, running back Le'Veon Bell, is going to have a a fight against Adrian Peterson. Yes, that Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 30 year old Le'Veon Bell, last with the Chiefs, and 37 year old Adrian Peterson, the third leading rusher in the history of the NFL, are going to have a boxing match in LA. Now, it's not going to be a professional fight, it's going to be an amateur fight. And I hope they're fighting because they're doing it for charity or they're doing it because they want to stay in shape or whatever. I hope they're not doing this for money. I don't want to see you hope. Punching, you know what I mean? You hope, I hope they're not doing it for money. But I know that Adrian it, it, Peterson has but, been broke. I know he's spent all his money. That, that's, you say that and you, you hope it's not true because you know that it is. Probably is. Yeah, I mean, Le'Veon Bell's a you guy. You know that, that it is. Yeah. And you don't want it to be. You want it to be fun. You want it to be serious. You want them to be athletes. But the reality is, is that these fuckers are doing it for the money. Yeah. And well, if it's, it, hey, if it ends up being a good fight, great. Whatever. I don't care. I, okay. This is, this is, these guys, especially, you know, Adrian Peterson's out. And if he's wanting to be boxer, if he wants to go the Logan Paul route, hey, fine, whatever. You've got, what, a year and a half before you need to retire as a base, as a boxer for him? Fine. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's it's hilarious to think that uh, these are these are what you know. Growing up, we would call gimmick fights. These yeah. are gimmick fights. It's that's all it is. They're not boxers. They're not going to be boxers. Yeah. Adrian Peterson's too old to get into boxing seriously. And Le'Veon Bell, you know, I don't even there getting into a new sport is going to be 
short-lived. And yeah. both of these guys have had one too many shots to the head while wearing helmets anyway. Yeah. So, Well, and that's a couple of my questions. One is I worry about CTE with these guys. They're both running backs, especially Adrian Peterson has, you know, he's had a load of carries. I mean, he's one of the guys who's had one of the most carries in the history of the NFL. He's way up there. Yeah. And yeah. so I wonder he's if a he's hits. a very physical player too. He was always a guy who took hits, gave hits, you know, always a physical player. So I wonder about that. Um, I happen to know someone who went to high school with Adrian Peterson. Good friend of mine went to high school with Adrian Peterson, knows him a little bit, uh-huh. and said, look, nice man. He's dumber than a fucking stump, though. And they said it's probably <laughs> that he it's probably an easy payday for him. He said the guy's a, a physical freak. Adrian Peterson has said sure. some quotes in here about how this is not something he's going to do professionally. He's doing it because he he's saying uh, he can see himself doing it going forward. Depends how how things play out for him. He's, he wants to play football. Uh, Le'Veon he's Bell is saying he's football. not going to play football in 2022, that he wants to focus on boxing. Again, I'm all for these guys doing what they want. And if going and being a boxer and going maybe the Logan Paul route, I mean, I, I, to go be a boxer in a more non-traditional way and, you know, that helps them stay in shape or keeps their mind occupied, I'm all for that because it's hard to go out of the limelight. It's hard to, you know, I hope they've saved their money. You know, Le'Veon Bell fucked his money up when he did that whole season holdout when he was with the Jets. Yeah. Um, so I – I hope the best for both of them, but at the same time, I wonder about the CTE stuff. We just saw that Demarius Thomas had, you know, level two CTE when he when he died. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, they like, did oh the autopsy. Yeah. and now these guys are going to get into a boxing ring where you know you're going to take headshots. And and I will say this: you couldn't pay me to fight Adrian Peterson. I I I'm not sitting here thinking that. I, uh, yeah, either of us are worthy of fighting in the ring with these athletes. These are at like, look, 30 and 37. I, and to me, they're past their prime to be getting into a, a physical sport like boxing, but they are already professional athletes. They're, they're in pretty good shape themselves world, to begin with. Athletes. So yeah, they're worth class at their professional running backs. they they know what they're doing. They know how to work out. They know how to work their body. That's what they do. But I agree. The CTE thing plays a role into this. It also, there's, you know, we talk about the money. We know it's an issue. That's that there's very little reason to do this except for the money. Yeah. Because health wise, CTE wise, their age, getting into this sport is not an easy thing. Um, So you have to wonder, you know, what the other motivations are, you know, or what are their situations that say, why do you need to do this? And and you have to ask, you know, for Le'Veon Bell, you hold out, he becomes, you know, you become somewhat of a pariah about holding out and or wanting to do this, that, or the other because and why you're holding out. You know, I it 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 begs the question how many teams are like, well, we're we're not gonna go after him because of X, Y, or Z. He's a problem. Adrian yeah. Peterson's thirty seven, you're not gonna go get Adrian Peterson to be your running back anymore. Yeah. Like I wouldn't get go get Adrian Peterson to be my running back mid season to you know, for an injury plague league. I wouldn't go get Adrian Peterson, you know? So those are the, you know, you have to look at them, at their motivations. Yes, they want the money. Yes, they probably need the money. And what other options do they have? They're not the most 
personable, you know, on camera person. They're not on camera personalities. Yeah. Be honest about that. Um, Adrian Peterson's had his, I, I want to say issues scandalous issues. Yeah. He's got some scandals in his skeletons and he his, had the thing with his son with the belt. Yeah. I mean, it, Yep, he's had and the, the, any and his domestic issues are are right up front. That's not anything new. I thought Levy and Bell had a couple of run-ins with the law. I don't remember everything that was going on, but it was it wasn't as bad. But they, he's had his moments. Yeah. Um, you know, you start asking yourself, you know, why are they doing it? Well, money. They have their <laughs> options in front of them. This is a a money option. It's not a cheap thing for you to go be a, an exhibition boxer as two professional athletes. Well, this is going to get them a, a, a paycheck. Yeah. Let me ask a question this way. Do you think they're looking at guys like Logan Paul, you know, who came into boxing in a non-traditional way through the YouTube stuff and they're thinking, Hey, you know, we've already got a name. I mean, if you're Le'Veon Bell or you're Adrian Peterson, are you thinking, Hey, you know, I've got a name already. If I'm good at this, and I'm a natural athlete, and we can get on social media and do some of these things, can be outspoken, maybe I can make some money in the second part of my career, my second career. Do you think that's part yeah, of the thinking? It's, it's one of those where, okay, it's not like they're, they're going to be spending a lot of their time training. They're not actually in the ring. Now, they may, they're, and when they're training, they're going to wear headgear and protection. They're working on moves. They're working on their agility and their hand movement, eye coordination, all blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, you know, if I'm an NFL player, I'm taking 16 to 17 weeks of constant hits. Yeah. If I'm a boxer, like the, you know, like they're wanting to do, even if it's just, you know, on the occasional, do I think either of them are going to win a belt? Fuck no. Oh. Hell no. You're oh. not going to compete with guys who have been boxing 10 years longer than you and are in better shape and have better reflexes. They are tuned to be champions in that sport. Yeah. But Boxing isn't the biggest sport around, so they have a name that gets them a draw to get them a nice paycheck. And they could do that a few times. Logan Paul's doing it. It's a non-traditional way. That's not the normal way, but you're getting into a sport with a name. The sport will accommodate yeah, if I mean, it draws have, tickets. Yeah, I mean, you have both Logan and Jake Paul and what they've done, and, and they've used the little bit of boxing to you know, get them into the social media following and they're making money off that now. And I mean, well, they, I mean, they were already making money off down. social media. Yeah. They were already you yeah. know, very well known in the social media world. So this is them capitalizing on that in a sport that's willing to pay them while they can also do their social media thing on the side. Yeah. But I see them as driven to do it for their own reasons, less about making a paycheck at the end of their career. This okay. is like, as a compliment to their social society and for boxing it's good to get people with that kind of influence to get people interested in the sport it's not a bit it's a win-win with a logan and jake paul with Le'Veon Bell, adrian peterson it's gimmick it's not they're not coming in promoting the sport they're riding the sport to get a few paychecks and they might have a few bouts they might stay this they might do this for a few years but they're not going to win a belt they're going to they're writing. You're, you're absolutely right. They're writing their name to to make some events to see what they're doing. If it works out for them, they get a few bows. They make a few paychecks. Yeah. You know, and maybe it opens up doors for other things. Yeah. But this fight is all about the gimmick. This is all about two football players, professional athletes, getting in the ring and seeing what they can do. 
That's all that is. Any predictions on the fight? I predict. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, because it's you know it's these two guys. You know, on a st- you know if if I had to say which one, if I had to say put on the pads and who could take who down, you know, going head to head, that's one thing. But on a boxing match, I don't know, and and yeah. honestly, I don't care. I don't know who has boxing skills. I just know one thing. I would fight Adrian Peterson for all the tea in China. I just would if I got in the him. ring with him, he would kick my ever-loving ass. Either one of them would kick man. the living shit out of me. I don't even want to try it. Yeah. But between the two of them, I can't say who would win. If I, if I had to, if I were to put a bet, I would have put a little money on Le'Veon Bell. He's just seven years younger. It's, it's, that's not a small amount. I, I, I see know, your you know, point there. I'd go the opposite side. I'd take Adrian Peterson. I just that dude's a machine, and that dude is—he's also really fucking stupid. Can we do it? And, and the headshots are. Can we do a tail of the tape? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to wait and see. Uh, we'll talk about that when he's closer to the fight. I don't. I'm not yeah, let's go let's bring fight. this. Let's come back around to this because once we get the weigh in and get their height and reach, because I don't have that in front of me, uh-huh. I think I, I I might change my tune. I haven't looked. I don't know. I would but think AB, I, I in think, boxing that matters. That's one of those stats that matters yeah. in boxing. Yeah, and I, I think, think Adrian Peterson's probably a little bit shorter than Le'Veon Bell. Let's see. I think Adrian Peterson's taller than Le'Veon Bell. Let's find. Let me look. Let me look. Well, look, look this shit up. We, we got. We Google this shit here. Uh, so he's Le'Veon Bell is six one. Okay, I'm looking up Adrian Peterson here. Adrian Peterson is. He only 5'10", 5'10", 212. Yeah, he's a little shorter. Is what he's no, I got, I've got whoa, him here. Wrong, wrong Adrian Peterson. Whoa, whoa, this is the wrong Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I got 6'1". They're, they're the same size. Le'Veon Bell is 225. Uh, Adrian Peterson, at least at this time, they're, he's 217, so he's a little bit lighter. So physically, they're well matched if these numbers hold true to weigh-in day. Um, I'm sure we won't have reach on this, but per, so personally, you know, when evenly matched size wise, I'm going to put a, I will put my money on Le'Veon Bell and the youthfulness of his legs. And that's, that's the big one. There's, it's not how, it's not how hard you can, you hit in the first round is how well boxing is one of those where how do your legs work in the third, fifth and seventh rounds? You know, can you keep moving? Can you outmaneuver the guy across from you? And I'm going to put, you know, seven years his his uh, his junior. I'm going to put my money on Le'Veon Bell. Well, I wouldn't count Adrian Peterson out. I won't. I don't count him out. I don't. It's it's not one of those where I think one of unless one of them gets lucky. I don't. I think they're going to sit in there and kind of slap each other for a yeah. few rounds and see I, what I happens. Know, I don't think they're coming in. With, yeah, I'm curious which one's going to try and put the knockout blow early because I think they're both stupid enough to do it. But the reality is, is in boxing, you know. They they would be they're going to try to knock each other out and then they're going to see who can last to the third fifth and seventh round with their legs the longest and that's probably who's going to win. All right. Well, hey, before we move on, I want to talk about one of our great advertisers here on the Coach Bonos podcast, and that's Gold Belly. So, Uncle Rico, you use Gold Belly, correct? I have. Yeah. So I right, enjoyed it. Yeah, and you know, we talked on on Monday's pod. We talked about. Uh, uh, gold belly we talked about the cakes and you got the uh duff goldman cake sale going on that's still going on you get 30 off right now 
Um, I'm still thinking about sending one of those to a client. Got to get that done. But also right now, they are doing a right on the front page, the Great American Barbecue Tour. So if you go to our show notes, there's a link. Take you to Gold Belly. When you go and you order on there, you get $25 off your first order of $50 or more. Now, the Great American Barbecue Tour, you click on this, you're going to find barbecue from all over the country. Now, look, Uncle Rico, mm-hmm. I know you like barbecue. And you know I, I like, like me some Joe's. I like me some Joe's. And you know Joe's KC is the very first place listed on here. And with uh, good reason, damn it. Good reason. Yeah, you can get on there. They got the ribs, brisket, burn-ins. They got all sorts of stuff. You got uh, the Slaughterhouse 5 packet from Joe's KC, which is what they're famous for. Um, Franklin Barbecue down in Austin, Texas, one of the big names. Everybody's heard of that one. It's on there. The one I was telling you about, we were talking about this pregame here. I was talking about the Big Bob Gibson Barbecue down in Alabama. I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. I've never been. And that may require a uh, a little something. I may have to do that. So there's all over the country, everywhere from New York to Carolinas, Florida, here in Kansas, uh, Texas barbecue, Memphis barbecue, the famous rendezvous ribs are on here. Anywhere that you, you know of good barbecue, it is on here. Get on there, check it out. You can use our, our link and you'll save $25 on a $50 order. It's a great way to try something, whether you get it for yourself, a loved one. Hey, Gold Belly is a great way to send the present to somebody. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, I love sending Gold I love selling Gold Belly as a gift. Yeah, it really I, is great. It's, it's a great idea. You got friends, you want to send it to a friend, a family member, send it to yourself, whoever. Just send get on there, check out Gold Belly. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. And uh, again, just check out the show notes for everything you need there to save yourself 25 bucks. Exactly. It's summer. You need barbecue. There's no, as much as all of us love to be the back gr- backyard grill masters, you are not going to match the best barbecue joints in the country. You're yeah. better off ordering Gold Belly. Order them from a place in Kansas City, a place in Carolina, and a place in Texas. Lay them all out and compare and see which one you like. You Challenge go. your friends. Say, which is the best barbecue? Vote on this thing. Make it, make, it a, make it a barbecue weekend, and you don't have to smoke for 16 hours yourself because yeah. you're not going to do it as good as they do. Yeah. You're not going to do it as good as they do. Yeah, I, I'm a Joe's KC guy myself. That's my spot. Love I it. I love a Z-Man. Yeah. I've got, Z- I've got, a, I got a pound of brisket and a slab of ribs in my freezer right now yeah. from Joe's. We, we sent uh, Joe's KC barbecue to my aunt and uncle of Louisiana uh, for Christmas this past year. And we sent it to Gold Belly. We, got him, we sent him down a whole big thing. And my uncle called me. They give you the directions on how to heat it up. You just throw it in the oven. You heat it in the up. They give you all the directions. They did it. Yeah. Back to the Christmas. And he said, my uncle called me and he was like, this is the best stuff ever. Thank you so much. I was like, love you, Uncle. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. So check that, check that out. I, 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 you got, I got a slab of ribs. I take the brisket, make sandwiches out of it. I take the burn ends. I will mix that in some mac and cheese. It is so good. That, that's become that a big thing so at a good. lot of barbecue places in Kansas City now. Next time you're in town, I found a couple places that we got to go to. So we've been around. We've tried. We've all. We've both tried a number of KC I, barbecue joints around the city. So we know goodness. it's all pretty good. It's all pretty good. Yeah. There are. Everyone has their favorites. 
but there's as a as a barbecue guy, you and I, you're always on the hunt for something new or something different. See yeah. if there's a challenger out there. You love to see the new challengers. Yeah, I'll give you if you're a Kansas City guy, the Kansas City ones that I can see on here. You got Joe's KC, Arthur Bryant's, Jack Stack. Jack Stack's good stuff too. Um, I, I love their yeah. onion rings. Those, those big stack of onion rings on the pole. Those are when you yeah. when you go there in person. Those are so good. Yeah, uh, Meat and Mitch, which I haven't been to yet. Uh, is on here now too. Um, there's all sorts of good places, and yeah, definitely want to check that out. Next time you come to town, I need to take you over to Slaps Barbecue in KCK. Slaps uh, Barbecue. Okay. Me and P Money stopped over there for lunch a couple of months ago. It was excellent. Everything we had was good. So we'll check that. Oh out. yeah. So. All right. Hey, last thing I kind of have here, and I'm sure we'll find a freestyle and some other stuff, but man, I read an article this week that I, I, it kind of made me thinking, and I'll kind of tell you where I'm coming from on this. You and I have been friends for 30 years. Now you're one of my best friends and we've, I've talked to you about things that I've talked to nobody else about. And as you know, I've been really open about here and on social media is here lately. I've been going through uh, therapy for the first time in 20 years and mm-hmm. really trying to find out more about who I am, what I'm trying to do, and, and just trying to be a better, a better me. And I was reading some stuff today and I came across an article. This came out about, about a week and a half ago. It was in the London mm-hmm. Times. This is just the British guy. This guy, oh God, I'm gonna, you gotta, you're gonna laugh at the name. His name just, is just Max say it. Dicking. Just say it. Max Dicking, D-I-C-K-I-N-G. Ha ha, yeah, yeah, it's funny. That's that's a name to live up to right yeah. there. So Max is 34 years old, and he just wrote a book that's coming out. And in the London Times, they had an article about him writing this book. And what happened was my man Max decides he's going to get married. He and his longtime girlfriend, they decide they're going to get married. And Max had a major problem. He realized when he was choosing the best, uh, choosing the best man, he realized he had no one to choose. He didn't have anyone to ask. He had no one that he thought he was close enough with for such an intimate moment in his life. Yeah. I got married 23 years ago. You were there. Um, I had a problem (laughs) choosing the best man. I had a a real big problem. I chose my brother, but I came down to my brother and you. And I went you to made the smart pop. choice. I went to my talk to my pops about it, and he was like, You should choose your brother. And I was like, Well, okay. And I love my brother, he was he's great, and he did a good job. Um, but some of the stats I saw on this so this guy, Max, he he was starting to think about this. He goes, Man, I don't have any close friends, and he realized this wasn't just him, this was a societal issue. And so there's a couple of stats I thought were interesting. According to stats in this, in this book and according to this article in the London Times, this is men 30 and up. One in five report they have no close friends. One in five. So, I mean, one in five. We're both in our 40s, you and I. Most of our friends are our age, maybe a little younger. I mean, we've got a, I got a few friends like Tyler Jones is in his 20s, but they'll yeah. say, hey, we, we don't have any close friends. One in two said they had one out of two, half said they don't have close friends when close was defined as this. 
someone they could talk about health or money worries with. That one took me aback because I thought about that for a moment. I'm someone who has a lot of acquaintances because nature what I do for a living. I've done some certain, I've done different things over my lifetime, whether it's different jobs or uh, different mm-hmm. activities I've been involved in. You have kids, I've coached, I've done a whole lot of different stuff. I know a lot of people, but I'm not real close to a lot of people, which has been some of the angst that I've had to deal with in the last couple of years when it comes to talking to people. It's kind of raising them in therapy a little bit is that I didn't have people that I, sometimes you don't want to burden the best friend, someone like you, you are one of my best friends, you know, and I, I don't want to burden people with that. At the same time, sure. I thought about it and I went, wait a minute, how many people do I consider close if the definition is someone they could talk to about health and money worries? Take my wife out of the picture, because I talked to her, obviously. obviously. I have two people. Two. It becomes a very, because, yeah, and you're one of mine. Yeah. That's one of those. This is one of those when you talk about health and money, those are one of those as and especially as men of our generation who are probably some of the we're, we're phasing out that old fashioned mentality because um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping P's better at it than we are. And the generations behind us yeah. don't have. have don't carry the bullshit that we carry yeah. the stigma of needing to be the the how can I say this? The stoic man, the independent man. Cause we were, we grew up, you know, it was, it's still weird to, to think about it this way, but honestly, we grew up old fashioned from a time, you know, coming out of the sixties and seventies where our parents were, you know, growing up that lifestyle, the way it used to be is how we know it. And it's not the way it is today, but no. we still carry that. Yeah, it's cultural norms by the time we were uh-huh. in certain ages. Yeah. And and talking openly and, and and this is not just about, you know, health or money, but just talking openly about even let's say just your emotions was not something that was done back then. Yeah. And we still we we are that was our example even to today. We, I still think about how that was an example to me growing up with with not just my father but other, you know, men in general, adults yeah. men in general. They didn't, you know, that, that wasn't an example for us. For us, it was, you're the man, you're the strong one, you're the breadwinner, you're blah, 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 all of this. And so when you have a problem, you deal with your problem. You don't cry and whine and bitch and moan. You don't cry foul that the whole world's against you. Even if it is, you deal with the problem and you're on your own. So I feel like that, that makes sense to hear, Um, especially as we've grown older, you have to, if you Think about it, how many people in your life, if you had a serious medical condition, if you had a serious money issue, who would you talk to? And that's not a lot of people because those for us, especially in our generation, those are very sensitive topics. Those are not topics you you willingly, openly talk about on a regular basis with just anybody. You pick that person very carefully. Yeah. I made the point one day, my wife and I were talking about something similar. This is a couple of years ago. And the conversation came up of what if something happened to one of us? Who would you call? Now, in her case, of course, her parents, her sister, a couple of friends that I know real well, and, Uh you know, whoever her boss was at the time. 
uh, and she, I said, well, who would you call in my case? And she said, well, I call your brother. Ricardo. And I don't know who else to call. Because I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know my parents are both gone now. So, but yeah. Um, I don't think it's a problem going away. I and, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, we're in what they term Generation X, which we're the dangerous motherfuckers because we've dealt with the boomers on one side and Generation Z and the millennials on the other. And these these, these damn kids. These kids, kids are terrible. Tell you something about kids. Kids are terrible. We're doing a bad Bernie Mac impressions here. Bad, very bad Bernie Mac. Uh, R.I.P. Bernie Mac, you genius, you comic genius. genius. Love you. So genius, Bernie Mac. I can only do Bernie Mac when I shout. I got to shout and I got to (laughs) cuss. But I'm not going to do it right now. But uh, I was thinking about it, and, and I'll tell you why I don't think it's getting any better social media because now we've caught up in it's in the last 10 years it's really cool that we can still be if you want to say friends or acquaintances people we know who we knew when we were younger maybe we lost touch with but you can see how they're doing day to day on social media when they post stuff you know whether it's facebook for old people like us or twitter or instagram or whatever Yeah, This new generation, I look at my son's generation, he's 20, and I look at it and I go, man, he knows, and we know, P-Money knows a lot of people. He's the mayor of Lawrence. Is what I oh, yeah, say. I know. But I was there in the beginning. He doesn't have a lot of close, close friends. Like, he doesn't have you know, that main man, you two can't say, you know, what you and I have been for 30 fucking years. But it's a, it, where we are now... 30 years ago, that's a lot of time. We've gone through some shit. Yeah. We have, well, we have yeah. shared some stories over yeah. the many years. We have. But and what I mean and is- like we told P, like we told P, we know where each other's skeletons are buried. Yeah. The same yeah, time, it's also something where they're just not friends like that anymore. They're acquaintances. They're associates. They're, you, you, you see somebody and you say, hey, I'll hit you on Snapchat. I'll hit you on Instagram, whatever it is. Yeah. And I wonder for that generation, people who are in their teens and their 20s now, what are they going to be? Are they going to be even more socially awkward in their 30s and their 40s? Because I think the people who like our generation, I think we're the last ones to have good people skills. It's hard. It gets harder when your social life is dictated by your phone. Yeah. And I think and that, that's that's something we didn't have. If you took my phone away, I would be crushed for work. I would be yeah. crushed for for a lot of those things. But what I am I gonna you know am I gonna fall into a fetal position? No, I'll spend twenty fucking years without a cell phone. I don't. Yeah. I know how to live without one. Yeah, but at the same time, it goes back to this idea of, and especially those of us who are getting older, we get involved in things like our careers, our families. Um, you know, our hobbies, you know, and so we do these things and they're important to us. Um, yeah. The article in the book really talks about how work is a big part of it. You know, we've, yeah, sure you've read it over time and I've seen it over time. You've already seen it as well. You have, lack of a better term, work spouses. You work with somebody for so long every day, they become like yep. a spouse. 
And when you either leave that job or they leave that job, it's like a part of you is gone. And it does take a part of who you are a little bit. And I was thinking about it in a different context, context, and I thought, I find the whole thing interesting because I don't know that I have a lot of close friends. I, I have a lot of people I really like, really care for, and really, and really love, but I really don't show it. And that was another part of the book and part of this article that one of the things sure. Max says as part of the book is, and one of the advice he gives in the book is, um, if you're someone who feels like you don't have that many close friends, reach out to somebody and say, do you know what you mean to me? I'll give you a great example. We talked about this before we came on. We got an old friend. I won't say names on here because I don't protect the innocent. Yeah, no names. Nah, but he was my freshman. He went to high school with us, and he was my freshman year roommate in college. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't see him often. I think I've seen him once in the last three or four years. But when I see him, it's not awkward. It's like, oh, it's like we just liked the last week, which is really unique and really cool. Yeah, I love that about him. I love it about him. But you know what? I don't see him often because he's married. He has children. He's got you know one child my son's age. He's got two that are younger. And he's busy with that and work and a career and taking care of a family. And I respect that and understand that because I've been doing the same thing with a career and a business. And, sure. You know, everything I've done. Yeah. And so I understand that. And I, I'm, I'm sensitive to that. But one of the things Max talked about in the article, or Max was quoted in the article, was, you know, if you've got regular people who you're friends with, but you're not close friends with, set something up. Set up something where we go to the bar and we say, hey, they're in England, he's in the pub. Said, hey, we're going to the pub Wednesday after work. Come by if you want. And he says, the people who come by, they're your close friends. People who make the time. Start. Yeah. You know, and then you and then you tell people, you know, you and I are good friends. I call you my brother from another mother. It isn't just lip service, it ain't just something funny to say. I really look at you as a brother. Yeah. Um, I, I've told you many times, I love you. I do. I love you too, bro. We we we've, we've had that friendship. We've known each other's yeah. families. We've you know yes. and, been and there not, in some heavy times. We've gone through some shit. It's not. It's just one of those that. things, though. It's it's one of those things where that's not even a question. Over all the years, that's not even a question. But I would be willing to bet there are more people who would be willing to, who we don't know are willing. Like yes. I can think of people we grew up with. And if they wanted to come to me and talk to me about a health issue or a money issue or, or any other kind of deeply personal, people don't talk about their marriages like that. We complain about our marriages, but we don't talk about it in a, in a, in just a normal setting Mm -hmm. of, I just need to talk. We don't do that as guys. It's just not built into our DNA that way or generationally. I don't, you know, however you want to frame that, it's just not in our wheelhouse. Yeah. naturally it's not that we can't do it it's that we typically don't do it yeah. but i would bet that we would be willing to and i'll ask you that question if you if it's not a question let me ask you how many people you would go to not not that how many people would you do that for yourself if they came to you 
there is quite a few I would, and that's the thing that the and book there's that's the difference. Yeah, that's the difference. Is and I and I think of it this way as well. And I I said this in therapy a couple weeks ago. All right, so there's people that you know and people you're friends with, and you know, you separate over time and whatnot, and you reach. You know, the, the book also says you know do things like reaching out, make a phone call, send a text message. You know, yeah. I started out the year. 2022, I made the thing where I said every day I was going to do a good deed. And the good deed could be something as simple as, you know, holding the door open or saying hello to somebody or you know, just doing something kind. A few times it was 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night and I realized I ain't done my good deed today. So it was a text message to a buddy saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I hope you're well. Yeah. It was a phone call to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to tell you I was thinking about you. And that's one of the things that the book also talks about, according to this article, and it says, don't be afraid to be the person that says, hey, I care. To reach out to yeah. people and be that bridge. Um, I brought it up in therapy a few weeks ago, and it's before I read this, and this thing was kind of an awakening to me based on something that happened in therapy a couple weeks ago. And it was, sure. I made the comment of, I have a lot of acquaintances, but not a lot of friends. And I thought of it and I went, hmm. And here's how you know the difference. Ellen, you know Ellen, our co-host, and you've been yeah. friends with Ellen forever as well. You guys are <laughs> neighbors over there in Denver. Ellen's in town here in Lawrence a few weeks ago. She calls me up. I knew about it a few days in advance. And so we decided we were going to meet at a bar, have a few drinks. The wife was coming with me. She's with some people. And there was a, a friend of hers who she knew who I had known years before. Uh, well, she knew him years before I knew the person. But I got to know him a little bit because his son is my son's age. They played sports not together, but at the same time. And he and I uh -huh. had interactions as Little League coaches. Always liked him, seemed like he liked me well enough. We'd have conversations. We're always very congenial with one another. Well, uh -huh. then I see him. This was not this past time, but the time before. And uh, Ellen says, hey, Bo, do you know this guy? You know Bo? And then we went, yeah, we, we both know each other a little bit. We don't get that close, but we do know each other. And shook hands again. It's been a few years since we had chatted. Well, then uh -huh. again... A couple weeks, a couple weekends ago, we're sitting out at the bar. Jeff shows up. I show up. And before she can try to reintroduce us, we're both like, hey, how you doing? And, and remembered. And it was, you realize that, yeah, you made a friend. You don't know how someone else feels about you. You don't know how someone's, you don't know what kind of an impact you've made when you meet somebody. Yeah. And you don't know it until you have another interaction. So I thought this person may not remember me, but they did. And they had a positive interaction from our conversations oh, that many years sure, ago. Yeah. And I thought, well, that was kind of cool because I hadn't had any, the time, especially I was going through some things thinking, I don't think I've had any positive interactions like that with a person in a while. Because you do worry. I think it's common that you worry about when you see somebody you haven't seen in a while or don't know well, did I make a good impression? 
especially someone like me who's got a little bit of a big mouth yeah. sometimes and not afraid to, you know, step on his tongue once in a while. You and you me know? both, yeah. And, and yeah. so I wonder, well, wait a minute, did I ever say something that might have offended this person? Because as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more uh, sympathetic to that and gone, okay, I've said some things in the past that, you know, could have been not necessarily hurtful or spiteful, but could have been offensive. Or misinterpreted. Or misinterpreted. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. I mean, and I don't mean offensive yeah, sure. as in hateful, offensive as in language, offensive as in tone, those kind of things. You know? Yeah, and I've and I've met people like it's I, I'm in the same boat. I I have met people and I I do try to censor myself because I don't know if I don't know somebody, yeah. It's one of those situations where you have it's to natural. break the ice to be before I start swearing like I normally do. But under normal circumstances, you know, I swear like a sailor, and you know this. Yeah. Because I, I, I treat it like normal vocabulary. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. I'm sorry. It's part of my vernacular. It's how I talk. And if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah, I'm, I'm the guy who's. I don't come out the gate hot like that, you know, because yeah. you don't know who it is, and you want to be respectful. Now, if you make a good impression, or you, you know, you, you, you it's nice when you when you get that feedback. It really is nice. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard. It's not a simple thing. It's tricky. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And as someone language-wise, I'm pretty tame now. I mean, I get on here and get, you know, can say some things on here. But, you know, you know, it's a running joke at our house that at six years old, someone asked Peyton what your dad's favorite word, and it, he says motherfucker. You know, the only person and he would be right. The only person who uses motherfucker more than me is living is Samuel L. Jackson. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I was about to say, and you probably close. got asked that question right after Snakes on a Plane came out. Yeah, and it's close. There's some days where it's better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I just thought that was an interesting article. I think I'm going to get the book. I'm going to go back to the article and read it. Um, I'm even going to share, you know, I'm going to share the link in the show notes. I thought it was interesting. It made me think a lot because it's some of the stuff I've been thinking about through therapy and thinking about, you know, not necessarily my behavior, but what do people see and feel when they see you, but also is it reciprocal? You know, I, I've got a couple of guys and I got a, we have a group chat, there's three of us, and we actually had some texts while I was recording with you here tonight. And, sure. you know, one of them said, hey, will you guys come do something tomorrow morning for me? Well, hell yeah, I'm going to go by and do something for him. He's my buddy. I'm going to make sure I help him out. You know, it doesn't, sure. it's, just, it's what you do. Um, but it's, you know, things like that. You go the extra mile for someone and not be afraid to tell somebody that you care about, you care about. Because yeah. tomorrow is not promised to any of us. It really isn't. You know, true. It, it really favorite, is true, but we didn't. Yeah, go ahead. One of my favorite things about the podcast is that Ellen and I became close friends again. You know, Ellen's always nice been a friend. But we weren't close, close like we were. And she came on as a guest originally. And it was so good. And I went, look, you're someone I trust. You're someone I respect. You're someone I care about. And having that frank conversation, I said, look, you can be the yin to my yang here. Let's just make this work. And, and she's been a great co-host. You know, in, in fairness, at the beginning, she was better than you. <laughs> well, yeah, I it's a little different. I got to carry the thing. It would be a lot. If I don't give you shit, no one else. Well, I'll say this: this show would be better 
if it was Ellen's show and I was the guest. Like, I will say out loud. No comment. I think that my stuff when I'm on Tyler Jones's podcast is sometimes a lot better than what it is on here. But you, because, but the thing is, you're. I take you now versus where you were at the beginning, and we're what fifty episodes in, fifty point fives in. You you have learned so much, and you've gotten so much better since the beginning. Yeah. Well, and and same with Ellen. Ellen is better now than she was at the beginning, but she was just simply, she's just better than both of us anyway. So it yeah. doesn't really matter. Well, we had to find the chemistry and then you have to find the, you have to go back and you have to listen to constructive criticism. You know, one of the things I'm really guilty about on here and I'm trying, but I'm not great at is I talk over people. And I try not to, like just right now, you were saying some things and I just jump back, let you talk because that's better than me continuously talking. And even though it's the Coach Bo show, it's still both of us. And and there's things like that that I'm still learning. Uh, It's also frankly hard. I use the example of, I go on Tyler's show every week. Tyler's a professional. And Tyler is someone that, you know, he's a younger guy, but he's, He's also someone I've called sports with. You know, I'm the analyst. and He's the play-by-play guy. We couldn't reverse those roles. He could do my role better than I could do his role. Because what he has to do is be the point guard. He has to call what's on the field, throw it to me once in a while, make sure that I'm getting in what I got to get in, but then get out quick, talk about a sponsor, talk about this, get us out to a commercial, whatever it might be. It's like being a point guard. Now, on the podcast, when it's him and Tom Bridges, and then I come on, he's trying to get all three of us, trying to get all the points in, move us in and out. That's why we try to we do these things via Zoom so we can see each other. We can hand signal each other once in a while, those kind of things. So yep. that's one of the things as a podcast I'm still learning how to do. I do feel like I'm better today than I was when I started a year ago. And I feel like I'm even better than I was two months ago. And I'm going to continue to get better, but I've got to keep improving. And I got to let people tell me what they like and dislike. That's why I give. And that makes total sense. Yeah. That's why I give. If you were. Here we are again. (laughs) If if you were not better today, I would call you out. You'd know this. We would let you know. That's one of those things where you should see progress, and there is, and I do see progress, significant yeah. progress. Well, you notice at the beginning of every show, we give out every which way you can contact us Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email. Well, why do we do that? Well, because that feedback that I get, it can be fleeting sometimes, sometimes it's not a lot. I get that feedback, and I go, okay, if the listener hears this, then yeah. I should take that into account. You know, I got friends who listen to this podcast. Most of the people who listen are friends of mine or people that I know, or they've heard it through, you know, this person or that person. A couple of Peyton's buddies now listen, and they, I guess they think I'm hysterical because I go off about stuff every so often. I'm sure they're going to hear me go off about Whit Merrifield and just start laughing this week. 
But <laughs> so I take that into account, you know, you just say, okay, well, what can I use this week? What can I do? You know, and I've had a lot of fun doing this. this is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a little bit therapeutic for me. And we did this also in the beginning because I wanted to help others. And so I kind of think having this conversation is getting back to that third point of helping others. I thought it was a great article. I'm going to share it in the show notes this week. Um, it's a great article. And I'm going to definitely buy the book myself and take a look at it. Um, sometimes reading stuff from a British person can be certain words mean different things, but uh, it was, oh it was, yeah, it was an easy read. And it was in, um, if you have Apple news, it's in there. It's on London times, which is available in the, uh, the app store, which is, in the Apple News Store, if you're an Apple user. I know you're not, but nope. most folks are. Apple News is worth, it's, you know, it's $10 a month. It's totally worth, like, it's my favorite thing about having an iPhone now. Well, you enjoy that, because that is going to be all of you, not <laughs> me. But uh, I tell, I said it. I, I will not say I will never get an iPhone. I will say I have no intention of ever getting one on my own until I am forced to. Or, or if I'm gifted with. You give me one. You want to give me one, feel free. I'm not going to turn it down. But I, I'm not going to go rush out and buy an iPhone myself just because everybody else has one. And I have, I have, I have my reasons for that, and they're reasonable. Unlike there are things that you know, there. Yeah, I know there are things that uh that you that you do that you only do because you know you're OCD or stupid or whatever. That has no rational reasons. The reasons I don't have an iPhone are rational. I will back them up. Yeah. I won't say that they're not terrible phones. They are great phones. They have a, a track record. I just don't want one. Yeah, I have two. That's me. And I'm. A I have good reasons to do it. Too. I did. And I'm a, remember, I'm an engineer. My my reasons for this are based in technology. Yeah. I don't want an iPhone yeah. for specific reasons. Yeah. So I, you know, I got a second phone line. You have the number. I call it the bat phone now because I got a second phone <laughs> number about a month and a half ago. I, I I did this years ago. I think you remember when I did it years ago. You know, I went from a, I did it. I, an I old Kansas City number to a new Lawrence number, and then I got rid of my old Kansas City number that I had for like ten years. I got a text from the person who has my old number, by the way, a few months ago. Was oh, really? Uh huh. Because he was still getting phone calls from me. <laughs> he was like, "You must be Oh my god! I can only imagine. I was getting like business calls on it still, and I had that phone like ten years. But um, I got a second phone about a month, month and a half ago, maybe, because I needed a phone that I could put my work phone down for. Because yeah. there's times, you know, I've made myself yeah. so available to clients and I do love my clients. And most of the time it's fun. But there's times where it's stressful. So I, I decided that was like kind of the first mental health thing I did was I got a second phone line that I carry that just normal, I'm not working times. And I've given the bat phone number to about 15 people. I have done that before. I've done it a few times when I've taken trips yeah. um, where I, you know, I don't, I don't really have this issue these days because I don't spend time in front of clients anymore mm -hmm. uh, for my job. But when I was in front of clients, clients had my number and I'd go out of town, like visit family or, or take yeah. a, a vacation or whatever. 
and I would leave my phone at home. I'd activate like my old phone with a new number yeah. and have that. And I have all my contacts on it oh. because it's, you know, sync from the back, the back end. Cause I'll still use, I'll still have my, like my Google account has all my contacts and it'll sync up to the new phone, but it's a different number. So I won't get work calls and I can get a contact with anybody I need to, should I need to at the time. And I've done, I had to do that before just to be able to get away from my phone from work at the time. Yeah. And it's not really an issue anymore, but it, it used to be. It's, I know become the feeling, a, it's become a big issue for me. And, you know, again, I, I love my clients. I do. I, and I will walk through heaven and earth for them. But man, there's times where, and people don't mean to do it. Sometimes people will call because they're going to leave a message. They just say something that's on top yeah. of mind. They're going to leave me a message. So they'll leave me a message at 10 o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night or Saturday afternoon, knowing that I'm not going to call them back till Monday. But what do I do? I see on the phone, it's this person and I answer. it, mm-hmm. And it's because, well, I want to be good to my client. And they'll always say, well, I'm just going to leave you a message. I'll come back on Monday. And I go, no, no, let me see what I can do real quick. You know, because it's usually something I can fix real quick or something that they just have a quick question. You know, or they want to discuss yeah. something and I can make a few minutes happen on a Saturday. But what I realized that I have to kind of pull my way myself away from doing that for my own sanity. And so I did that. And now I have found that my personal time is my personal time. And that has everyone gets to a point where you have to draw the line of this is my time, this is not for everybody else. Yeah. And you and you well, and you, you, you insulate yourself so that you can have personal time, family time, time yeah. with the kids, time to do activities on your own, um, yeah. where you, you have to say, I can't be available now. Yeah. And, especially, and it's important. It's important for your own overall mental health. You're exactly we don't realize right. it. We don't realize it very often until we're already in that point where it's like, this is too much. I have to do this for my own sanity. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And I got to the point with me where it was just, you know, I had to give myself that time. And I knew that if I didn't push it this way, it was going to be an issue. So I, I did it and took the leap of faith. And it's been good so far. What you find is 99% of people are great about it. You know, they, they leave you a message on a Saturday oh, sure. afternoon. You call them back on Monday. The one person out of 100 who gets mad about it, you know what? You don't want to fucking deal with them anyway. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not here to make everybody happy i try my best but i can't make everybody happy. we do try and for the ones we don't yeah. sol yeah i just couldn't take any more phone I'm calls when you're doing something with your kid or you're doing this or you're doing, you, just, you can't do that all the time so you know the missed inconvenient one is when you're when you're uh when you're in the bathroom yeah that's just inconvenient it is inconvenient because you got to turn the fan off and everything else. And, you know, I get in there and play, or, play games on my phone and, you know, I know I to play take it back to, that. Yeah. If you want to take it back to when we were a little bit younger, when you're in the middle of changing a diaper. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my little guy was quick out of here. He was pretty quick out of it. I want, it helps no, with your guy, quick. we had to be quick. There, no, no. With your little, with P, we had to be quick. That's true. It wasn't that he was, we had to be quick. quick. Yeah, but he didn't, he wasn't in him for as long as most kids are. 
but he uh, no, no, he was. But I also only had one kid, so I only got one frame of reference. You know, we know people True. who have two and three and four and six, and yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're one of those guys who had to hold a kid while changing another kid, shout out to you, man. Shout out props to the dads and moms out there to hold the kid over one shoulder, stand on one so they wouldn't crawl around and break something while you're changing a third kid. Props to you for having to deal with all that. It's an unsung and uh, often uh, no props given. Props to you. Shout out to all you parents out there like that. Well, T. Rodrigo, we're going to get out of here on that. So uh, I'm going to see you. Oh, hang on. We have one more thing. Oh, do you, you have something a, you wanted to bring up? One. I had a quick thing. I actually have a baseball yeah, question for you. And you yeah. probably, you, I'm sure you already know about this. It's something that, but I, I haven't heard it out of you yet because I'm a week behind on everything. So um, I saw it this week. I saw a little piece of it this week. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because I believe they're doing it in the, the, the minors, the AAA leagues, uh-huh. where they're, they're considering implementing this cone off of second base for the shift okay yeah so they're gonna draw i want to get your take on this this is one okay. of those where it's like this this is the first time i've heard about a, a legitimate okay. thing in baseball that while i don't know if i agree or disagree it's worth the conversation because okay. baseball is so stuck in the past yeah so would they even do this so major league baseball's got a big problem and that's that one of the reasons that people don't like the game is it's too long um, you know, for instance, ESPN will play a Red Sox Yankee game because of the nature of how they play the game ends up being a four hour game. Most of the time, people don't want to watch a four hour baseball game. So baseball has done something to implement some things to hurry the game up. They've done things already. Like if you're a pitcher, um, if, you, if you're brought in as a relief pitcher in the late innings, you have to face three batters. So you can't just keep taking Pitchers out, another pitcher in, another pitcher in, and matching up righty lefty, righty lefty. Um, they, they started that already. Next year, they're going to do away with the shift. Now, the shift is you know how a regular baseball is. You have a third baseman, a shortstop, a second baseman, a first baseman. So, if people don't know, a right-handed batter has come up. A lot of teams take the second baseman and they'll put him right over second base, or they'll put him on the left field side where the shortstop kind of plays. We're kind of closer to second base. And they'll play three people yeah. on one side of the diamond. Normally, it's against guys who are right-handed, and they pull the ball. So you've got three guys. You've, you've closed up a hole in the infield. So this idea is, starting next season, they're doing away with certain types of shifts. You can't shift past second base, either side. Shortstop can't go past second base. Second baseman can't go past second base to the shortstop side. Some teams will take and put, for instance, a left-handed batter will come up. They'll put the shortstop between second and first and second. And they'll take the second baseman and put him in the shallow outfield, like a rover in softball. Well, now they're doing away with that starting next season. The idea I think you heard was where in one of the minor leagues, they're going to put – it's not a cone, but it's triangles they're going to draw on the field that say you cannot line up in this area. And an infielder won't be able to go out into the grass. Um, they won't be able to play 
if you draw a diamond, like it's a if you drew a, the bottom of the of the of the triangle would be Just the line that goes from take first the line to from first to yeah take the line from first to second and third to second and extend them to the grass. Yes. That's and your cone. You could not. You could only line up in that area, and the extra person cannot come to that side. Um, it's to try to limit some of the bean counter stuff that's going on in sport and baseball, like because of they're saying it's making it uninteresting, it's taking away a lot of hits when you have too many shifts on um, that kind of thing. So it's a lot to do with the shift. Also, next year they're going to have what's called the pitch clock, which they're already started in the minors. I've seen that in the in the minors, and yeah. I'm curious if they would ever bring it all up. All they the they are yeah. next season. It's already coming. It's part of the CBA. That might be that. That's a, so, a good step in the right direction. Yeah, what's going to happen is once the pitcher receives the ball, they've got 20 seconds to pitch the ball, or it's an automatic ball in the count. If there's runners on base, they go to go to 28 seconds, and they put a clock in the outfield. We've seen this in college. We've seen it in the minors, and it does speed up the game pretty consistently. Now, the reason that's an issue is that some pitchers like to pitch fast. That's very few and far between. Most pitchers like to pitch very deliberately and very slowly, and that frustrates batters. But it also makes games very, very long. It makes games very long when you're in the seventh inning and a right-handed batter comes up, and you got to now go to the left-handed pitcher. And then the next batter is a left-handed batter, so you switch to the right-handed pitcher. Well, they've done away with that. If you're a relief pitcher, you got to face three yeah. batters, unless the inning ends. So if you come in, there's one out, you get the next two guys out, you don't have to come back in for a third of an inning the next day. Your inning's over. Yeah. If you want to bring him back out, you can. I mean, there's, there's no problem, but – you have to face at least three batters if you finish, unless you finish the end. Again, that's mm-hmm. made so you don't have – because when you do that, you got to stop play, bring the new pitcher in. they got to throw the eight warm-up pitches. You go to a commercial. Well, what does that do if you're watching the game? You start changing the channel. I clicked away already. Start changing the channel. So baseball knows that, hey, we don't want to drive people away. And so, yeah, the different stuff with this shift and – that sort of stuff's going on. There's a lot of stuff changing. It changed certain things this season already. The average game is like 15 minutes faster this year. Um, and that's basically because of the three batters. Um, what was it? Uh, one of the other things that has not been approved, but it's been kicked around is once a batter is in the batter's box, they cannot leave the batter's box. Ooh. which there are guys who jump out of the batter's box for every pitch because they they want to take, yeah. take their breath. They want to think about what's about to happen. What pitch is this guy going to throw me and then get back in the batter's box? That slows the game down. So there's a lot of stuff like that. You brought up a good point, a good, good idea there. It's like, okay, well, how are they doing that? That's been something very well calculated because it's the two biggest problems in baseball is the game, the length of time of the game. And then the overabundance of defensive plays because of the shift. It's taken a lot of the yeah. offense out of the game. I mean, I literally, found, you I can found watch the it. argument this week. Yeah, I found the argument this week compelling for two reasons. One, it's we're seeing changes to the game, which 
we've gone, I don't know how fucking long without anything being changed in baseball. And it's why it's so damn long. The other side of that is um, that they are making changes is encouraging to the future of baseball. I don't know what that's going to end up being. I don't know if they'll ever make me a fan. Um, but I'm encouraged for the sport at least, because I know there are a lot of, I know you're very passionate about it. I know there's a lot of people who are very passionate about it, but, and I don't want to bash on, on, on it just because I don't watch baseball doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile sport to watch. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is I kept thinking to myself, how are they going to color it? Because to me, if I look at this from a, like, if I, if I liken it to basketball, this is like the free throw lane being colored in. Yeah. And if you're sitting there waiting on a pitch to hit, because the way I heard it uh, explained, because I think I saw it on, on first take that they were talking about it is that they could come up to that line, but they couldn't cross over it until the pitch was thrown or the, or the, the or the bat made, uh, the ball made contact with the bat. Yeah. And it'd be kind of like sitting there on a free throw, sitting on the line, kind of leaning over, waiting for some, for them to shoot. And, and what do you do from there? And then they brought up an interesting scenario where if you do cross that line and let's say the guy hits a home run, you suddenly have the, you know, do you give the, the dugout team, the, the home run team, the opportunity to say we will decline the penalty like in football we don't we're not going to take the penalty yeah. we want the results of the play which yeah. you don't really see in baseball that's not really there and i'm kind of encouraged by that idea yeah there's a lot of di a lot of weird stuff that's going to happen with the shift thing now what we do know about the shift it's going to be again you can't shift over the bag uh you can go up to the bag but not over it and i think you're going to be allowed to have your heels on the grass which right now, what you see is, especially with the big home run hitters, the guys who hit the ball real hard, when you see a shift, you generally see like a, um, a shortstop is playing basically like left center field and the second baseman's yeah. playing close to the second base bag with the third baseman playing off the line. And so it's trying to you know, get them. You see a lot of that with left-handed batters. They're actually a lot of times trying to take hits away by having the second baseman playing a shallow right field and throwing the first, because it's right there. Yeah. Uh, but you see more of that with left-handed batters than with right-handed batters, but it's we are seeing stuff like that. And what it has happened is, and I think this goes back to two seasons ago when the Rays, or when you know the Rays were in the World Series three years ago. The Rays made the World Series, and then when the Nationals were a really bad team that got to the World Series and won it. They played mm -hmm. that money ball style of, okay, don't worry about batting runners over. Don't worry about we're going to play the shift. We're going to get the outs, the 27 out game, play the numbers. And then last year, the Braves beat the Dodgers in the NL. The Dodgers were the much better team, but the Braves beat them because they were able to money ball them in seven games. It didn't really mm -hmm. happen a lot. The idea goes back to the movie Moneyball. Have you ever seen that with Brad Pitt? Sure, yeah. I've seen um, it a few times. It goes back movie. to that. Um, the movie's great. The book is even better. And what they don't tell you, the dirty secret of that movie is they don't tell you that the best player in, in the American League, the MVP, was on that team that year. And the three, yeah. the three <laughs> starters were all really good. Uh, but they make it such as all a bunch of slugs. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, Miguel Tejada was the MVP and he had 40 home runs. Um, yeah. You know, you wouldn't see the A's today. Today, the A's are one of the worst teams in baseball. 
Uh, it comes down to half and half, not the snap. But the money ball thing, that thought process of using the statistics in baseball can work over a long season because you're just playing the numbers. They're trying to take that uh-huh. out and make the game more exciting. And they know they're going to score more runs because of it. So that's going to make games longer. So then what do you do about that? Well, you got to offset it by making it shorter in other ways. Uh-huh. Uh, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if the pitcher offset of it is they lowered the pitching mound by a couple of inches or raise it by a couple Maybe, of inches. yeah. Because it'll Maybe. make it easier for the pitchers to pitch. And the, the thing with the, with the pitching clock I will see is that you'll probably start to see players get tired faster because they don't have that extra time between each pitch that they can consume, which will speed up the yes. game. The other one is I'm, I disagree with the, the whole, you know, stepping on the grass forward or backward. I think if you, if you want to cheat forward or step back, make them pay for it. That's my opinion. But the idea of kind of having a free throw line behind second base is intriguing for for the future of baseball. I like the concept. I don't know yeah. how it will work out in implementation, yeah. but I'm curious of what that in, yeah. what that indicates for the future of the game. I'm encouraged by it. I don't yeah, know. It's if basically that, no that's, four. That's one thing. Yeah, it's basically no four outfielder situation. Like if yeah. you play softball, you've seen four outfielders, and you take a a center. If you play a right, a, a center, and a, and a left, and then you play one guy who's rover. If you're batting with a lefty, he goes and plays the you know the first base side of you know shallow outfield. He's you know uh-huh. if there's a righty righty up, he plays shallow behind the shortstop, so the shortstop can cheat up a little bit, you know that kind of yeah. thing. And it it's kind of taking that and it takes hits away, especially from lefties. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's all a numbers game. That's the one thing I don't like in baseball is I don't like all the number stuff. I want to see the best hitters and the best pitchers. I will say the best pitchers, the best starting pitchers at least, and they're the big-time relievers, the pitch clock will not hurt them because most of those guys, the, the Mark Burleys, the Chris Sales, uh, Clayton Kershaw, they like getting the ball and going, getting the ball and going. And, yeah. And you see more of the relief pitchers or the guys who are more of the fringe, the, the fourth or fifth starters, they don't play a lot, who are – the ones who want to take their time and make each pitch. But a lot of guys just want to get the ball and go because they want the momentum. They like, they want to feel in that moment. Yeah. The moment. And now they want to get no in the ex- zone. No one expects starters to go seven, eight, nine innings anymore. And we've had three, I think like no hitters this season that were team, no hitters where you had a starter go six or seven. And then two other relievers finished the no hitter. It used to mm-hmm. be if you had a no hitter through seven, you were pitching the eighth. If you had a no hitter after oh, yeah. eight, you yeah. were pitching the ninth. And now managers are going to those guys and saying, I know you got a no hitter through eight, but I got to go to the close. It's a 2 1 game. You know, it's a 2 0 game. Yeah. I can't afford this now. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of that. And there's pitch counts. You know, a lot of guys don't go to 100 pitches anymore. You know, there was a season where Nolan Ryan threw 140 pitches in every damn game. You know, the guys yeah. who threw 15 or 20 complete games, you're lucky now to get three in a season from a guy. Yeah. Um, who was it? He just blew up a couple of days ago because he got pulled out of the game. I think it was one of the coach, one of the guys from the White Sox just went ape shit for dugout and got pulled out of the game. It happens. Uh-huh. 
See, that's where I'm at on that. I get they don't, that he wouldn't like it, change. but there's more to think yeah. about there. There's more going yeah. on there than he than he yeah. just his ego. Yeah, and I think that in, in the season, the long season, you play 162 games. You know, it's it's a long season, so I am for a lot of these changes because it does take the bean counter stuff away a little bit, and you have more yeah. pure hitter versus pitcher kind of stuff. So thanks for asking. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. You mentioned you had something, so I'm glad you brought that up. So, All it's, right, a, with, it's a baseball thing in baseball season. I had to bring it up. It's the only thing I can bring to the table. Well, with that, Uncle Rico, thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for jumping in and playing tag and helping out Ellen this week. Uh, Ellen, I know you'll be listening. Hope you're doing well. I, we, we've been swiping texts and it's like you've been doing good so far. He already misses you. He wants me out of here. He needs his token girl for the point five. What we need really to do does. is have all of us, <laughs> which we will do in a couple of weeks when I'm in Denver. Couple weeks. So, couple weeks. Yeah, I'll be seeing you in a couple weeks. I'll be there in person in Denver. We'll have a good time. We're going to do a, pro- a podcast, all three of us together. It'll be a lot of fun. And you never know what kind of trouble we'll get into. So, or, the the thing is that. Unlike what we do here, most likely we will all three have alcohol in front of us as we're doing the podcast. <laughs> I try to avoid drinking so, while podcasting, but yeah. Hey, one last thing we do have. Yeah, this would be the sponsor. exception because it's so unique. Yeah, I do have one more sponsor I want to shout out before we get out of here. And that's our newest sponsor, which is DoorDash. Um, I know a lot of people use DoorDash. I use DoorDash. Uncle Rico, you a DoorDash guy? I have used DoorDash. Yeah. Works so, for me. You know, when I'm here at the office doing this, well, about once a month, I order DoorDash. Like tonight, I ordered DoorDash earlier. Um, and so now we have a sponsorship with DoorDash. So also in the show notes will be a link for DoorDash. If you sign up for DoorDash using our link, you're going to get $10 off of your first three orders. So not once, not twice, but three times you get $10 off. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Check it out. And look, if you've already signed up for DoorDash, what you want to do is take the link, sign up again with a different email address, and you can get the $10 off three times. So check that out. We appreciate DoorDash for sponsoring us and doing some work with us. We hope to keep them for a while. And we hope that you guys will give them a chance. And if you haven't been using DoorDash, it's a great way to have your local restaurants delivered directly, directly to your house. And there's some cool stuff on there. Like I said, I do it at least once a month. When I travel, I do it to hotel rooms. We did it when P Money and I were recording the pod a few weeks ago in Chicago. It's it's an easy way of getting dinner, and you don't have to cook. DoorDash is cool. You don't have to put on clothes and go out. You can wear your slippers and you know your gym shorts or whatever. You know, we all do that. Just Uncle Rico, don't be answering the door naked next time. You heard me. Did you? Oh. I said, Uncle Rico, don't answer the door naked last next time you order DoorDash. So um, I want to say thanks to oh, Tyler. I promise to- nothing. No, I absolutely promise nothing. Nothing. Okay. okay. I won't make that promise. If I say I if I if I say it, then I'll end up doing it. No, oh, okay. So I have to say well, no. I won't promise because then it'll happen. If you show up naked to the door, tip well. That I will do. That is absolutely, yeah, it, it's kind of earned. It's, you know, it's not like they showed up to deliver food and expected this. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. wish that on anybody. So, well, thank you, DoorDash, <laughs> for sponsoring us. We appreciate it. Uh, hey, I want to send a shout out and thanks to Tyler Jones. Everybody at Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. 
Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star rating. Uh, until Monday, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great weekend. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. And quick reminder, August 2nd here in Kansas, vote no. Appreciate everybody. Have a great weekend.